What's up, folks? This is Ryan Vernell speaking, and if you know me, you know I love a good edible, especially when I can trust that it's pure THC inside of it. You look these days on the news and you see that people are literally spraying fentanyl inside of edibles. These are meant to heal you. These are meant to stop trauma, not cause more of it. That's why you need to go to Mrs. Incredible Edible to order all of your THC needs. Go visit her on Instagram at Mrs. Underscore Incredible Underscore Edible and let her know that the Ryan Show sent you. We're talking not just the greatest tasting edibles, but true culinary art. Just go to the Instagram one more time. That's at Mrs. Underscore Incredible Underscore Edible. Take a look at some of the goods there and let her know that you heard this ad on the Ryan Show FM. Now let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Ask me when I'm getting money. What? I'm doing that all day in the AMG with a bad to my right, count up cash for me. That's squeezing on my arm, cause she just asked, baby, how fast is it? Trying to get a hold of the boss, man, then you gotta go and ask for me. Money conversations, all I talk about is that bad, feel me? They wanted peace, so I hit them with the peace sign. Don't know how to dance, but I hit you with the G slide. I'm the boss, give directions like a street sign. Bit too busy helping y'all, I need some me time. Shorty, stop complaining, <laughs> it don't change the meaning if you repeat what you said another three times. I think that I need time away. Water on my neck, feel like I'm standing in a puddle that is knee high. My name buzzing like a beehive. Talking about respect, y'all already know I need mine. Michael Mary jeans, I ain't rocking no more Levi's. I be running out of breath, I be going so hard in the paint. Everybody see the bands on me and sweet, but it ain't. Only focused on the future, never realized how far I came. And have a dollar to my name. Can never be the same. I be riding around at nighttime, gotta watch out for I doze off. Bad hit me on the FaceTime, and she's taking all the clothes off. I ain't trying to be bothered right now, so I gotta turn my phone off. Shorty told me I got no heart. Hoodie on me and it's chrome heart. They would shake hands with the same hands that they try to stab me in the back with. They looking like a 10 on the grand. Real life, they catfish. Anytime that I go on a mission, gloves on with the Mac. It don't matter if you lose it, better fight back at the last hit. Sitting in the back of the Civic Getting stopped by the dudes with a badge and a ticket But they couldn't stop my grind, they just had to get finished Hey, look, no more laughing and grinning Had to get sh- going, had to get back to business Early mornings, late nights, we just had to get rich Now we in that bitch, cutting through the traffic and Like, yo, she gon' do the dirty dance in this Shawty make it clap, no hands in this Yeah, all these people saying that I'm really doing too much But I ain't doing enough They be like, you ain't gotta go all out Cause she go at the neck. We do too much. I ain't good in the head. 
it my way Only popped a hundred bottles, it's a light day Got my driveway, looking like a highway Shawty bounce it up and down, even sideways Make it clap, round of applause When you say that, drop it down to the floor Look into your eyes, I see down to the core When they hear me talk, that's the sound of a boss She gon' do the dirty dance in this Shawty make it clap, no hands in this yeah. All these people saying that I'm really doing too much But I ain't doing enough This segment of the Ryan Show FM is indeed sponsored by Luke Belair. You know that we drink this yes. stuff all day long. Don't just ask me. Ask host of this show. Hang on. Let's pull him up here. Hampton's Dave. Dave. What do you think about Luke Belair? Uh, we get lit. I drink it so much I don't even remember how good it is. So I got to drink it again the next day. Turn up. <laughs> How's that That's for good. a sparkling? Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be really good. Yeah. <laughs> It is good to be here on these airwaves. This is the Ryan Show FM. If you haven't figured it out yet, promo code on Luke Belair is indeed not there. So <laughs> go there, leave that message. Let them know Full that you price. heard it here. Yeah, let them know you heard the Ryan Show right here. And in studio for the second time is a historian, is a longtime reporter, is a great man of our time, a jack of all trades, a renaissance man, if you're more cultured. Returning to the Ryan Show FM for the second time, for the first time in 2022, is the one and only Joseph Hill. Cool. It is Welcome good to have back. You back. Welcome Thank back. You. Thank you, Dave. And Thank I have the back. honor of broadcasting alongside of Mr. Joseph Hill nearly every week and yep. Nate Brown Jr. on What's Going On, Fox Sports 1280. What's if you don't on? know, now you know. That's on every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We talk sports and a whole bunch more good stuff. And that's where we were introduced. And since then, we've been able to get you on here. And last time we talked about the documentary that you had made, which, by the way, everybody needs to go check out about the, the black Seminole Indians, the Maroons, the Seminole yep. Maroons, technically, down in Florida. And, you know, we had a little, like, survey in the Instagram story, and you were one of the most voted on guests to return in 2022. So we had to reach out to you really early oh, and have you back. Definitely. That was a great – yeah, that was great. I was waiting for yeah. you to come back, too. That was a great episode we had Well, I mean, with you, last you know, time. story of the Seminole Negro Indian Scouts. By the way, the documentary is called Black Border Warriors, the Seminole Negro Indian Scouts. And, and it's, it's quite a story, but it's an American story. It really is. Um, and I like that you say that it's an American story because it is literally yeah, it based is on this soil. Yeah. And it's the story that needs to get Although out. they were in Mexico for 20 years. That's true. Although they were in Mexico, which is technically North America, I right. suppose, if you're going to. And we introduced people to uh, the great Vicente Guerrero, who was the That's president right. of the Republic of Mexico. And he was half black. He was Obama before Obama. That's right. Uh -huh. That's and right. a, who we, and a, we had no, 
abolished slavery in Mexico in 1828. Now, that's a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight is Civil War history. Like we mentioned earlier, you are a historian. Last time we got a bit into the Civil War. Just a bit we talked about uh, about Harriet Tubman. Tubman. After all, it is MLK Day. So I figured this would be the perfect day to bring you in to talk about this because there's a lot of history that gets swept under the rug. And there's a lot of history that gets rewritten and the narratives get changed. And one narrative that even here in the North seems to get changed to me, which I find weird. And the more I learn about the Civil War, the more I see, at least in my opinion, that the Civil War was about slavery. And it's it seems to me whenever I ask people, they say, no, it was about the economy. It was about it was about, uh, uh, you know, laws that were being written. But it seems that whether it is the economy or these laws, it's all based off of slavery. Slavery. this deep-rooted principle that the Southern folk could not let go of, that they were monetizing, essentially. Um, well, so, I mean, yeah. as a historian, what's your opinion on that? Do you, what do you think the cause of the Civil War was? Well, slavery. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> and the fact that Lincoln had been elected president in 1860, and the South knew that Lincoln wanted to end slavery, and... They preempted whatever Lincoln wanted to do by saying, we're out of here. We're pulling out. And then Lincoln said, you can't pull out. We ain't letting you. And that was the Civil War. And they say that Lincoln wasn't even necessarily as much of an abolitionist as he was just trying to keep the country together. Do you yeah. agree with any of that? or? Yeah, I mean, I agree. He, Well, here's the thing, because... Which Lincoln are we talking about? Because Lincoln, like most people, changed as his life went on. As he learned more, he changed to be a different person. So there are some people who want to quote Lincoln from the 1850s and say he was a racist, he thought African Americans were inferior, blah, blah, blah. It might have been true in the 18, and I'm not an apologist, but I'm a historian, I'm talking facts. So as Lincoln learned more, he became more open to the fact, and there were people like Frederick Douglass, Henry Highland Garnett, and all sorts of abolitionists, both black and white, who affected the way Lincoln thought. At first he was like, nah, I'm not gonna have blacks in the military. Nope, not gonna do it. It's not gonna work. And slowly but surely he changed his mind. My new documentary, which is called, when it's completed, uh, Fight for Freedom, is about African-American soldiers, black soldiers who fought for their own freedom, the freedom of themselves personally and of their families, okay? And there were 200,000 of them. Most people in this country don't know that. No, that's something that we were not taught. We went over this last time that you were here as kids. That wasn't something that we even went over. 200,000 soldiers were black. And what's crazy to me is they were not even really allowed to fight. Didn't they have to? How was it that they were able to even join the military? Because their their rights were so limited, even in the North. How did that all work? Well, the Emancipation Proclamation. So before the Emancipation Proclamation, no blacks in the military at all. There were some blacks in the military because there was something called the Confiscation Act. And then there was the Military Act of 1862, I believe. 
they both in a roundabout way said that if the North came upon blacks in Southern states who had been slaves, that they could use them in any way they felt deemed necessary to help win the war. And some people loosely interpreted that to say, okay, I'm going to use them as soldiers. So there were blacks who fought um, as early as 1862, 1861. 1862, it was a, a battle in Missouri, uh, the Battle of Isle Mound, um, where African Americans, the first Kansas colored volunteers, fought and did really well. You know, the other thing was, I mean, as racist as this country is now, it was a lot more racist, you know, 140, 150 mm -hmm. years ago. I mean, so one of the misnomers of racism said black men wouldn't fight. They were cowards. They were afraid. Well, black men proved that they, they would fight. But even in the North, they would say, oh, the, you know, you can give them guns, but they're going to run. Because that was how bad racism was. Yeah. Deeply Conversely, rooted. black men said, yeah. give us guns and we'll show you that we're men. Yeah. And, and that's what they did. And another rumor, which it's hard to it's hard to take even sources on YouTube series. The second I watch a documentary and I hear I hear that southern accent, like, hey, the Civil War was fought, blah, blah. I know it's gonna be some lies. <laughs> I know it's gonna be something crazy. Like, something, yeah. I, I just Blessing was watching me. some videos. I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right to me at all. There were guys that were claiming that slaves were fighting for the Confederate Army in the Civil War. I wasn't sure how true it is. Is there any truth well, to these? No, that's that's an out now lie. So okay. it's literally a lie. Like, it's a li literally, I, well, I heard that, that KFC well, logo accent. Think about this. Yeah. You're going to enslave people. You're going to be, and they were terrified of slave revolts. Um, remember, well, I don't know if you remember, but the Haitian Revolution had already happened. Yeah. Even though we didn't have CNN and ABC and, and MSNBC, the whole world mm -hmm. knew about the slave revolution in Haiti at the turn of the 19th century. So like 1804, they knew that slaves had rebelled, killed a whole lot of white folks, men, women, and children, and ran the French out of Haiti. The plantation owners in the South were terrified of slave revolts. And there were quite a few, but they were all put down. But there was, you know, Nat Turner and, and Gabriel Prosser, and there were all sorts of slave revolts. So, they, so my point is this, yeah. without going too far into it. If you're afraid of slave revolts, are you going to arm your slave? Yeah, you're going to give them guns and yeah. Really? I mean, there's some elaborate videos out there where they show these. It looks like almost photoshopped evidence of certain pictures. It's, okay, that's all part of the lost cause. I don't know if you guys are aware of the lost cause mentality, no. but it basically said that the uh, the South was this noble place that blacks were treated very well as slaves and didn't want to leave the plant. That's the exactly were never whipped. Yeah, I mean, this is all part of this BS called the lost cause. That's when wow. after the Civil War, 
fast forward going into the 19-teens, 30s, 40s, that's where all these monuments started getting built and raised yep. of these of these Confederate generals. It, that, that, those that were in the 30s and the 40s that those black people were trying mm -hmm. to get their rights. They have these monuments, and they wanted to put people like Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson, and, and they wanted to make them heroes. Well, wait a minute. How can you make somebody a hero who's a traitor to his own country? That's what gets me. other Americans, yeah. what does that make you? That's yeah. what a I... A traitor, I, right? How are they so pro-American, but they have the audacity well, to fly well, that, Confederate flag? That's all back to the lost cause. They wave a flag and talk about how American they are, but it was their people. Look, we lost more soldiers in the Civil War yeah. than all the other wars that our soldiers have fought in combined. Yeah. So and it was on our home ground. I mean, yeah, it was on our home ground. Killed in the Civil War. How many what? Men had to have been killed in the Civil War. They killed more than a hundred thousand of their own Americans, and then they want to wave wave a flag and say we're Americans. Yeah, really. And they did it all to preserve the right to enslave other human beings. Literally, it seems like that was what the founding principle was. That that was it. So for we, people you know, to we, say that it know, was a war that wasn't fought over slavery, all. it just seems whether or not it was technically fought over that exact law, it seems that those values were the laws that it was fought over and everything stemming from the end of it. All these laws that came with new states in the Union from the research I've done, new states in the Union weren't allowed to enslave, I suppose, right? And I guess that was threatening the whole ideology well, that, that they had. Well, the Emancipation there. Proclamation because when Lincoln made the Emancipation Proclamation and it went into effect January 1st, 1863, he purposely said, basically, we're freeing all of the slaves in the states that rebelled against us. In those 13, in those 12 or 13 states, not in the border states, because Lincoln wanted to keep the border states in the Union. When I talk about border states, I'm talking about um, states like Kentucky and Missouri, uh, Delaware and Maryland, were okay. all ironically states that stayed in the Union. And yeah. Lincoln wanted to keep them in the Union. So Lincoln was like, okay, it's cool. You all hold on to your slaves, but everybody that rebelled against us um, those slaves are free. And he did it for two reasons. We talk about, we, we already mentioned economics. The economics of the South, the economics of the United States period, but especially the South, was based on cotton. At one time, Southern America was the world's leading producer of cotton. Right. The British yeah. wanted cotton. The French, everybody in the world needed cotton made a lot of money for a lot of people. Yep. Another product was rice, which fed a lot of people. And the third product was tobacco. All of that was slave labor. So all of that made a handful of white Southerners very wealthy. Very wealthy. It also made the United States very wealthy. wealthy. That's right. Free labor. I was going to say free labor. You're you know, not paying. What's, yeah. What the hell? What's yeah. crazy, too, to think is is how small the population was of the entire South. Yeah. 
even compared to the population in New York City at the time. And to think that the war lasted for four years. I mean, what, what do you think it lasted so long for, given the advantage that the North had both with their military and economically? Well, I don't know how much you guys know about the Civil War, but the beginning of the Civil War, um, the Confederates had the better generals. Yeah. And uh, they beat the crap out of the North for two years, two and a half years. I mean, it looked like Lincoln was not going to win re-election in 1864 because um, the North was getting their butts beat. Was it because he handled it poorly, Lincoln, like militarily? No, once again, the the top generals, the guys who had gone to West Point, the top echelon of West Point was Robert E. They were all Southerners, and they said, wow. see you. So, so all the guys that- who had been in the U.S. military had graduated like Robert E. Lee, um, Stonewall Jackson, um, Jeb Stewart, all of those guys were top uh, generals at West Point, were the top students. They left. They were the great strategists at first. And at first, because the South actually started the war at Fort Sumter, um, they felt like they actually did. They outfought the North. And their generals were smarter and better. Crazy to think. Crazy yeah. to think because I mean but things change. But this is when Emancipation Proclamation. Once again, what Lincoln did, because Lincoln was a brilliant politician. He did two things when he had the Emancipation Proclamation. He took away the South's labor force. When he said, Hey, all of you guys are free. Now all black people didn't hear all this at the same time because, once again, we didn't have radio, we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have television. There was so, only Instagram then, right? Only Instagram. Yeah. And a little Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Now, little- <laughs> the word had to spread by literally by mouth. But once Lincoln and the word got out that slaves were free, okay, they started leaving the plantations in droves. Okay. Wow. They started getting the hell. So it took their workforce away. Also, Lincoln needed more men. So he started using African-Americans who had been slaves. Literally, there were people who were slaves one day, and the next day they were soldiers. Can you imagine that kind of turnaround? Insane. Just think about it. As a slave, you have no control of your day ever. Your whole life you have had no control of what you do all day. Like now, you guys can get up and smoke a joint, yeah. drink whatever, go, you know, go yeah. wherever, get in your car. As a slave, you didn't have that kind of control. You, you got up, you got your ass out, and you worked all day in the sun, and you went home and you ate slop, and you turned around and you did it the same thing the next day. Every day was the same, but it wasn't yours. So can you imagine being a slave and then you run away because once the Union Army started coming south and these slaves actually saw these guys in uniforms and guns and went, whoa, now's the time to go, which they did. Yeah. The, the U.S. military says, yeah, you guys want to be soldiers? Cool. We'll make you so and we'll give you guns. You can go kill white people. Think about it. You're crazy. Your whole life you've been hating white people. 
You can't even look at them hard. You someone get. just gives you a gun. Well, now somebody Go get says, we're going to train you and give you a gun. Go fight. Yeah. And I mean, th- is, and there's a lot of uh, stories. I mean, one tough thing, I guess a lot of these guys can't read or write, so you, you can't get the journal entries. Like, how how can you go back and find the history of this, their perspectives? Well, when you're going back to... some... Okay, so let's back up. Does everybody remember the movie Glory? Anybody I've never actually seen... seen... I've seen clips of Glory. But you've never seen the whole movie. Never seen the whole movie. All right, you guys should see the movie. Anyway. Yeah. Glory tells the story of the 50... Massachusetts 54th. They were actually formed in the state of Massachusetts by abolitionists. And most of the black men in the 54th were free black men in the North. They were really totally different than most of the regiments um, in the rest of the Civil War. So it was a 54th, 55th Massachusetts. And then they had a uh, cavalry, the 5th Cavalry. Yeah. But these were all of Boston. The white guys that were the commanders were the elites of Boston, and they were abolitionists. Oh, so they so formed they... Um, the 54th, uh-huh. but that, that was real different than most other regiments. Most of them were formed in the South. As a matter of fact, I got some mind-blowing data here. First yeah, of that's all, it. we talked about mm-hmm. 200,000 Black men fought for their own freedom. Yeah. All right. So 179,000, close to 180,000, were in what's called a USCT, United States Colored Troops. Okay. Okay. That's the soldiers. But then there were 19,000 sailors. That's where you get your 200,000. Okay. But check this out. Listen to how many came from what states. 17, almost 18,000 black soldiers came from the state of Mississippi. 24,000 came from Louisiana. More than 20,000 came from Tennessee. Kentucky, which was north because they didn't succeed, is still south to me. Kentucky, 23,000. Maryland, 8,000. Missouri, 8,000. They had 3,000 out of the uh, District of Columbia, and on and on and on. But that's what made up most of that army. That is insane. And that's like the South. Like, to think that most of those guys came, and yep. now I imagine most of them were freed and escaped their way in, or they, they came from the Emancipation Proclamation. Just crazy to think. And and oh, also, to be ahead. a Southern plantation owner and having that Emancipation Proclamation happen, and then having to hide this information... Technically, it wasn't. Right. That's what I what I'm confused about, though. I guess the Confederate States of America were. How, now, how, how official were the Confederate States of America? Did other countries recognize them as their own country during those four years? Uh, other countries, yeah, other countries helped them at first. Once again, cotton. It was all about economics. Yeah. So Britain uh, helped them. France, in a way. European countries that needed that cotton, they could have cared less about like slaves and slavery. Yeah, they and they were that, they had they no slavery in Europe at the time, right? That was they were all free, but they just cared more about the money. Right at yeah. first. Plus, remember those first couple of years, the South was winning. 
So everybody backs the winner. So England and France for a while were like, oh, South is going to win. The U.S. is going to be at least two different countries. Once again, these guys in the South got this money because of cotton. Yeah, let's see how this thing turns out. Another reason why Lincoln had the Emancipation Proclamation, because England had, had outlawed slavery about 20 years before the, the, the Civil War started, okay? Yeah. Mexico had outlawed slavery in 1828. Almost everybody else had already outlawed slavery except for the United States. So once again, the Emancipation Proclamation did two main things and even a third thing. It took away the workers, the plantation workers, the slaves from the South. So that broke their backs economically because they never had as much money as the North in the first place. Yeah. They were on a shoestring budget because they were trying to like finance an army. Yeah. All exactly. right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, it takes away money, but then it took away uh, the slaves and it added, once again, 200,000 men that were more than willing to fight. Yeah, huge. That That's 200,000, when they came in, when when Lincoln did that in 1863, by 1864, you could see the tide was turning. This is a little bit off subject. They were getting their asses kicked everywhere. In terms of Lincoln back then, like you look at now, you look at a guy like Biden. I mean, I don't care whether or not people voted for him. The guy's like, He's like a zombie. He's falling asleep. Yeah. Clearly, he's not making his own decisions. Like back then, what were the presidents the ones that came up with these decisions and really did write up these drafts for laws and legislation like the Emancipation Proclamation? Or were there all these people behind the scenes just like now that kind of work the magic? I mean, well, you look always, at the presidents there's now. There's always been people behind the scenes, but yeah. uh, Lincoln was a genius. Um, personally, I think he was the best president we ever had. Wow. And he was also self-taught. Let me tell you real quick, and I, I this is really nerdy, but I'm going to tell you about a book <laughs> that, yeah, you need, that you need to read because it reads like the freaking Godfather. I swear to God, it oh. is a brilliant book. Wow. Have you ever heard of Doris Kearns Goodwin's book, A Team of Rivals? No. Never heard of it. No, it's here right. rivals. Let me give you the background. So it's 1860. The election is coming up. The Republicans have all these different candidates, but they don't have any one person who's the man. They just got a bunch of guys, bunch of a little power here and a little, and especially guys on the East, because back then the East Coast ran everything. So yeah. there's William Seward from New York, and they're uh all these guys, there was a guy from Ohio, um, Stanton. These guys were well-educated. They had money. They had political clout. And then there's a guy out west uh, with an accent, uh, with, with clothes that didn't fit him, named Lincoln. And he was considered a country bumpkin. Because if you looked at him, because uh, the dude was like about 6'4", which was a huge height in those days, his clothes never fit him. He With never had fancy hat. clothes like everybody. Plus, yeah. he had an accent. He had like kind of a southern twang because where he was raised in Illinois is near the Kentucky border. So okay. he had kind of an accent. He was totally not well educated. Some of these other dudes had gone to Harvard and 
Princeton and all these other places, Lincoln had to teach himself, literally. So they thought he was a bumpkin. But location, location, location. You know where the uh, Republican convention was in the, in the year 1860? Where is that? My hometown, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Man. And, those, and they were the good guys. Back then, the Republicans were, I want to say the, the good guys, but they were. The liberal and the Democrats were yeah. racist. All right. Crazy. So the Republican convention is in Chicago. So where is Chicago? What state is that in? Illinois. Illinois. Oh, what state so is Lincoln from? Yep. Mm, Illinois. Illinois. So all these fancy dudes come to Chicago. I'm going to take this over, right? They had to have four ballots before they could put somebody because it was like everybody was even and they were all fighting amongst each other. So they couldn't decide who was in what. But on the fourth ballot, miraculously, this country bumpkin named Lincoln gets the nomination. Wow. And everybody's scratching their head like, how the hell did this happen? But then they said, well, he's a he's a dodo bird, so that's cool. Let him be president because we'll still run it because he's an idiot. Lincoln no becomes president, and what does he do? And this is where Doris Kearns, the title of her book, A Team of Rivals, every single person that was his rival for the presidency, all these dudes who thought they were smarter than him, he picked them for his cabinet. Yep. Wow, that's the way to do it. All of them. So presidents should be oh. taking notes out there. So imagine yeah. in this day, imagine Biden and Trump working together. Yeah. How funny that be? Who was secretary? Who was secretary of state? Who had been the former governor of yeah. New York? Thought he was going to run everything. He's like, okay, cool. Ooh. Starts telling Lincoln what to do. All these guys are telling him, well, we think you should do this and do that. And Lincoln had what us black people call. A, a, a come to Jesus meeting with all of them. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, fellas. I'm the president. I'll tell you what to do. Be what quiet. What is it? Po pothos? Huh? Pa pathos? Pothos, yeah. Pothos. Yeah. yeah. And the thing about it is they were shocked. And at first they still thought, okay, <clears> we can run this. And in the years between the election and the assassination. And it's interesting because I'm reading Doris Kearns Goodwin's book, Team of Rivals, and I know how the story ends, right? You yeah. know how the story ends. He gets killed, right? As I'm reading the damn book, fellas, when I get toward the end, I'm fighting the tears because I'm going, Shit. Yeah. This dude, because he was... Does anybody ever watch... I'll tell you who Lincoln, who reminds me of Lincoln. Do you guys ever watch um, uh, Ted Lasso? Yeah. No. You watch? You ever I watch seen Ted Lasso? Yeah. Oh man, it's a great show. With uh, it is a great show. J Jason yeah, Sudeikis. Uh, what's is... his name? Who's the actor? Uh, uh, Jason Sudeikis. What channel is that? Where can I view? This? It's on. It's on um, Apple. Oh, great okay. show. So the premise of the show, and I'm going to get back to Lincoln real quick. The premise of the show is there's an American football coach from like. Kansas or someplace yeah. with an accent who takes over a soccer team in England. And when he takes his team over, everybody thinks he's a boob, he's an idiot, and he's the kind of guy, all he does all day is sit and tell stories and 
People say, oh, this guy didn't know anything about soccer, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing, uh, Hamptons Dave. Does Ted ever get angry when people diss him? No. People diss this dude. They cheat. They they lie on him. They stab yep. him in the back. The guy never loses his temper. He ends Real up converting him. So that was Lincoln. Yeah. Lincoln knew everything that was going on, right? Everybody was talking behind his back. They were plotting against him all the time. Lincoln never lost his temper. He always... He basically, when you don't take things personally, do you know how much control you have? It's a good point. He didn't take stuff personally. Point. He's like, that's it. Okay, cool. Because yeah, most very, people's issues very zen about stuff. Yeah. Unless you're doing something directly to someone, if someone has an issue, it's usually with themselves for the most part. Unless you're doing something directly to them. But he always used, you know, the plotters. He ended up. Well, you want the plotters around you. You just want to right. make sure that they're I'm plotting that's what I'm saying. for you, not against so, you. Keep them close. The brilliance of Lincoln, he gets all these black soldiers, and the tide of the war changed. But I want to read something, fellas, talking about the lost cause. And this yeah, is one do. of the reasons why I'm doing this documentary. I need uh, about $250,000 to do this thing right. If, hey, gotta, if anybody out there is listening, yeah. there could be someone I, I, I out there. I gotta go all to over the south. I gotta go all over the north. But but let me tell you, this is the kind of stuff. And this is a lost cause BS. Listen to this: a classic example of white supremacy, a biography of General Grant, published in 1928, authored by W. E. Woodward, who was a Southerner, supposed to be a brilliant historian. Quote, this is what he says. American Negroes are the only people in the history of the world, so far as I know, that ever became free without any effort on their part. The Civil War is not their business. They twanged banjos around railroad stations, sang melodious spirituals, and believed that some Yankee would soon come along and give them 40 acres and a mule. End of quote. And that was this the book, Meet General Grant, was so popular that it went through 43 editions until 1965. Jesus Christ. And that was, and that's that just shows the culture yeah. of the country that's the back kind then. of garbage, okay? Yep. <clears throat> so here's the also thing I don't know how much you guys know about the Reconstruction period, right? That period almost right after the Civil War. Blacks were could vote and they were getting elected, blah, blah, blah. What happened during the Reconstruction? It was the beginning of the Ku Klux Klan. That's right. It was the beginning of all these white organizations. It was the beginning of lynchings, of murders, of Jim Crow laws. I really think, and I've yet to see a historian point this out. I think, this is my opinion, because, I mean, these brothers... They fought their butts off. And by the way, a lot of them were massacred. Um, if they gave up, they just got shot down. Or if they would catch a, a soldier alone, they would hang them. Crazy. They wouldn't even let them surrender. They were all, and I got to do this in a documentary, is talk about all these massacres. And it, you know, it's, it's crazy to they think that we soldiers. need to fund a documentary to be able to learn the this. The Confederates that is yeah. not taught. Soldiers. 
But listen to this. I think with all of that fighting and they fought well, they fought hard. Yeah. I think the violence of the Reconstruction era was a payback for those 200,000 black soldiers who fought for their own freedom. Oh, for sure. I'm sure that it's a lot of built up resentment. People that lost money that have to work now, that have to hit the field. Yeah. They hated black people anyway. Yeah, they already were. Not just the literature. That I, I heard other quotes written by legislators or, or politicians back then. It's just a deeply rooted belief that white people are smarter than black people or better. That's That was this type of belief that these people had back then. And it was only 150 years ago. So when you go down south, like even even going on the road with cheeks at times, you'd feel it. You'd feel weird going into certain restaurants. Yeah, the way that people are looking at you, because you know, you know, we're dressed very New York, yeah. very New York in these southern places. And yeah, I just uh, it just is is wild to me. Now going to these reenactments. How many have you been to so far? The Civil War. Well, and that's why I wanted to. Now we can show. Uh, do a little uh, slideshow. Yeah, we, we got so some been... pictures here. If you're listening on the radio, we're going to go to a quick break because this is a more visual-oriented part. Uh, so, Joseph, let's get all of the contact info out there now in case anybody wants to reach out to you, ask you questions. Where can they find you? I want them to get in touch with you. So That's there we it. go. Contact us on IG. You know where to find us at the Ryan Shaw on Instagram. We'll relay any message you have to Joseph. And if you're one of the few people that somehow got this link to watch the live stream it in here, any questions, feel free to ask them. We have historian Joseph Hill in studio. You can catch us on what's going on this Sunday, 8 a.m. Eastern, Rochester, Buffalo, everything in between. That's Fox Sports 1280. This is The Ryan Show. Follow us uh, on Instagram. Let me pull this up here. We're going to be back soon, folks. Hams Dave, Ryan in studio. Follow us both at Hams Dave, at Ryan Vernell. You know the rest. Honky Wonky on the ones and twos. Let's go. Let's go. Introduce me to artists from the LBs, man. J&J. Tell them how we do. And we are back. This is the Ryan Show FM. We have historian Joseph Hill in studio. You can check out the video of everything we've been talking about on our YouTube page. Joseph, I hear you're going to some Civil War reenactments. Um, what kind of people are at these reenactments? I could see there being historians like yourself, but I imagine there's a lot of psychos down there, too. <laughs> but see, that's not psycho. Look, we need those people. These are people, and they're Southern reenactors. I'm going to um, flying into Jacksonville, Florida next month, and then I'm going to a place called Lake City, where they do a reenactment every year of the Battle of Olusti. And they're going to be about 2,000 reenactors. And I need them real bad. That's why we're going. Mostly really quick, I don't mean psychos like, you know, history buffs. That's great. Like I'm a, I love I love those types of things. I mean psychos like the people that make these videos. Like, oh, the Confederate Army was a wonderful thing. The Confederate They still think the Confederates are going to pull it off. They're going right. to. Yeah, 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 exactly. But most reenactors... You got to remember, fellas, first of all, they're wearing wool. They're not wearing it in the summer because they get period true everything. A good reenactor is not going to wear something that's made out of polyester. Yes, okay? They're going to do it's the, gonna real, be wool. the real deal. That's deal. all they had in those days. It's going to be hot. 
Yeah. What they wear costs a lot of money, by the way. It also costs them money to go to different locations, stay in hotels. I mean, you got to be in it for the count if you're a reenactor. I got a lot of respect for a lot of these people because in many ways they're living historians. Yeah. They're actually yeah. reenacting. And for a lot of people who want to know this stuff, especially kids, what better thing for a kid to go actually watch a battle take place and learn about it? Are and these usually accurate? The soldiers. You know, we, we way, talk about gets killed. We talk about the historical inaccuracies that we're taught as kids and that might be in some of these textbooks. How accurate are these reenactments? For the most part, most of them are. Going back to the Battle of Olusty, I was talking to this, this gentleman named Benny McRae. He's in his 80s. He's African-American, and he's the leading authority on African-Americans in the military in this country. He's an amazing man. And I had told him before about going to Olustia. I said, well, it's, you know, down in Florida, and it's huge, and blah, blah, blah. And he says, he says yeah. He laughs. He says, because that's one of the few battles that the uh, Confederates won late in the war. And it was. It was a Confederate victory. Here's the hard thing for me, fellas, when I go. A number of black troops that fought in that battle were slaughtered. Like the Confederates just shot them on the, all the guys that were wounded when everybody was retreating, they just shot them or bayoneted them. They killed scores of blacks. So, I mean, all of this stuff was against, you know, the rules of war, rules yeah. of engagement, you know, the Geneva Convention in the 20th century. All of this stuff you shouldn't do. Yeah, which I mean, still, you look at some WikiLeaks that come out. There's a lot of crazy. It's the military. Crazy things. I know. Happen. Yeah. I know. But yeah. my point is, it, I'm going to be on on holy ground, fellas, because I'm going to yeah. be in a location where a lot of those soldiers were slaughtered. Do you feel the type of energy when you're there? How How do you feel being at these places all these years later? Does it like what kind of emotions does that stir up? Well, okay. So I was a reporter for 22 years. And my beat in four different states was crime. So I covered crime. I covered from the time the body was found on the street, trials, the whole deal. You do have the perfect reporter voice. I got to say, you got the perfect reporter <laughs> to report the crime voice. I hear it now. But, but my persona had to always be professional. Yeah. So I couldn't cry. I couldn't show emotion. As a historian, I feel the same thing. When I'm on this hallowed ground, I got a job to do because yeah. I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. We got to get shots and we got to interview people. But inside, when I go back to the hotel, I might even break down and cry. Wow. Yeah. But I'm not going to do that in public. Wow. Because, you know, I, I'm a professional. And I got a job to do. I mean, it's... But that's it's, not just me. That's like cops, fire, firefighters, yeah. EMTs. I mean, the stuff that you see in some occupations, you can't let your emotions yeah, you dictate how you're going to act. At do you think it's important? The scene. 
See, do you think it's important to teach kids the darkness of some of this history and the details, the stuff that we find out when we're older? Do you think it's important that they understand the truth behind all this at a very young age and have to well, come to terms with it? too young. I mean, yeah. I got grandkids and I actually give them history lessons once a week, but not too young uh, and not, not too much too soon. But I think that's one of the toughest things about being a parent and a grandparent is there's that period of time where when kids are growing up and everything's a Disney movie and everybody's their friend and, you know, all of that stuff, which is wonderful. But then there's that to get to an age where you got to start telling kids the truth. Right. And what age age do you think that kind of is? I mean, that's a tough parenting decision. Four or five. No, yeah, he's gonna say six, <laughs> seven. No, yeah, no, they they gotta be older than that. They, I'd say puberty, getting close. Yeah, where they can go, understand okay, and grasp. It. Here's the way things really are. Yep. Yeah. But I think you know you don't want a kid. You don't want to make your kid like a little psycho and go. Yeah, <laughs> bad people out. Not only that, but you don't want kids terrified because yeah. it's terrible. You know, if you th- if you think of what people do to children and child yeah. porn and all that crap. You can't oh, tell man. a little kid all that BS. Yeah, ah, man, you know that, that's something. Frightened anyway. So all you do is say, "When I'm at the mall, you stay near me, and I keep yep. you in my sight." You don't have to tell them why. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good point. Very good point. See, we're we're sitting here. We're learning with Joseph Hill, historian, reporter, jack of all trades. To speak to him, you must speak to me. You must speak to him. Today, follow us on Instagram at the Ryan Show. Up. Any questions? Let us know. We will relay these questions. Joseph, it is always an honor to always sit down a pleasure. with you. Thank you for expanding our minds. Yes. So what could you leave us off with in terms of documentaries, books we might read on this topic? What, what well, could we, uh, what you know, you got of? a bibliography that I sent you. Which I'm going to be posting on Instagram, by the way. If you go to our Instagram story, uh, there's a list of books that Joseph has sent. They're going to be on there for you to, uh, to uh, take a look at, screenshot yeah. it. And, and look, folks out there in, in uh, radio and uh, and television land, podcast land, there are so many books about African-Americans in the Civil War, about the Civil War period. It's just a plethora of books. And there's no one book that's like the best. I mean, there's a lot of books that tell a lot of stories. Some only focus on one, one section of the country. Some focus on one general and the people that fought under that general. So there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a new one coming out in April called uh, Easy Title to Remember, uh, Riders in the Storm. That's, that's a good about, one, I bet. That's about the Massachusetts 5th Cavalry. And, all and if you're watching cool. a YouTube documentary, if you hear that Southern twang, you it's, might want to go to factcheck.org. Yeah. <laughs> Start typing in a few things that you hear there. Thank you for everything, Joseph. Always good Thank to hear you. you. So we'll much. see you Sunday. Find us at What's Going On Sunday, 8 a.m. Fox Sports, 1280. Tune in there. Joseph, any last words for these fine folks? Well, I just, first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on. Thank you, Ryan. Thank, thank you, you man. Hamptons Dave. Yep. I appreciate it. I know it's a little different subject matter than uh, – Good. I, I like it, though. It switches it up. I, stuff that people need to know about, too. Yeah. Like we always say, I this is the stuff that, that we're not teach. You know, we're not taught in school. Yeah, we used to be known for our misinformation, but we're trying to yes. turn a new leaf and be known for re-education. This is the re-education of two wise guys and a rap hey, star. I, yeah. I know it's tough in this day and age, but read a book or see a documentary. Try to like empower yourself 
if nothing else for you, just try to learn yeah. a little bit, something different every day, folks. That's a piece of advice that Hams Dave will not take seriously. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best to read. Thank you, Mr. Hill. This is the Ryan Show FM, and we will be back. He was once a from around the way. My life was never easy. My life was never easy. Started in my cutlass clutching heat like it's an open oven Puffing chronic puffing biggie out the window speaker subbing Running to the crypts it ain't no discussion Bullet wounds drenched in Hennessy and teaspoons of Robitussin Head up phase got a few concussion Yeah, Compton's amazed Dr. Draper cushion God please grant my eternal life we need the beats Aftermath where you fall asleep you do not eat And my belly is full Gorilla riding the bull Banana clips in the pool Swan diving classy as all The ops I'm on they Grandmama whoopings in school This woman in Brazil with dying they jewels Too many problems, too many YGs So many ties to dollar signs, easy to end up on E I got shot up like Columbine, the Crips descended on me Sign my name on the dotted line, that was vengeance on beats This is the way he was once a thug from around the way My life was never easy My life was never easy There it was, don't interrupt, just because it's no love, shoulder shrug. I ain't bring nothing to the table when I'm the table. I'ma turn up the music, wake up the neighbors. I'ma get that thug life tatted across the navel. It's how I am in real life, not just on cable. Mr. Narcissist, tell me about my arrogance. No more counseling, I don't negotiate with therapists. God, yeah, wanna let God in. But tonight, I guess I let my pride win. Cousin Dre, send me scriptures, help me see life better. We having the best divorce ever If we go to court, we'll go to court together Matter of fact, pick up your sis, we'll go to court together I watch four kids for like five hours a day I wear these easy boots everywhere, even in the shower today I got love for the nannies, but real family is better The cameras watch the kids, I stop taking the credit Not custodial dad, I bought the house next door What you think the point of really being rich for? When you give them everything, they only want more Bougie and unruly, y'all I need to do some chores Rich kids, this ain't your mama house Climb on your brother's shoulders Get that top ramen out God sent me from that crash Just so I could beat Pete Davidson's And my new bag I know Illuminati mad This that Numenati This that Tupugati rich This that God did this Only God did this there it is, there it was, don't interrupt, just because, ain't no love, shoulder shrug, won't he do it, yes he does, won't he do it, yes he does, won't he do it, my life was never easy, this next one gonna be easy.
must come to an end yes even this broadcast the other day there was a reason why i didn't bother you at work and it was because i couldn't feel my legs i was completely crippled i felt like a child with polio from the roosevelt era but it was really because of fried nyc hamptons dave this is knock your socks off coquito i'm not sure the technical definition of it but fried nyc can be found on instagram at Fried NYC. NYC. I think it's fried dot NYCEE. But the potency of what's in this bottle is so severe that I was affected for about three days afterwards. I really? Did you cookies. drink the whole thing? I drank about a third of it. And you know me and you know my tolerance. I want to say there's about 4,000 milligrams in here. Jesus. It's legitimately the greatest edible on earth. Go to Fried NYC and let them know the Ryan Show sent you so that you can receive a small token of our gratitude. Maybe I'll respond to a comment if you yeah. leave one. Probably not, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fried NYC, these guys are great. Let them know that we sent you. There's a link in our bio where you can click and order the best edibles you ever had in your life. Now let's wrap things up. Unfortunately, like we mentioned earlier, all good things must come to an end, even this broadcast. But we gave you so much this week that we so we much. Can... Shout out to all the guests that came through. The I wanted to talk Natasha about Kanye. Mosley. I wanted to talk about Kanye and AB and this new Sinister Six. Yeah, I like their together. team they're putting oh, together. Dude, we've got so much to get into. And guess what? We're going to get into it on Patreon another night this week. But for you to find out, you got to subscribe. It's three bucks. The Ryan Show. Uh, FM is technically the Patreon name. So patreon.com slash Ryan Show FM. Ham is David Ryan Vernell are here, but it's the end of the night. I will see you next week right here at the station. Over and out. Peace. I'm big.